Well, uh, welcome to Round the Table with Christian Concern. Um, it's great to see you. And today we're asking the question, can a six-year-old really be transphobic? And I'm delighted to be joined today by special guests, Nigel and Sally Rowe, who have been uh, 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 battling for four years plus um, around this whole issue and had an incident in their school, which we'll get to in a minute, um, where their six-year-old child was accused of being transphobic. And we're also joined today by Libby Lisslewood, um, who is ex-transgender. I'm sure she'd rather be identified as a lovely woman um, than that uh, today. And uh, But she has brings that perspective as well on this um, whole subject. So, Nigel and Sally, can you just talk us through what happened? It was, it was about four years ago, wasn't it? And what did your son's uh, six-year-old tell me about it? Yeah, so... For us we've got two sons and we're in a church of england primary school and when they were six both of them two-year gap um a child in their in their their uh, classroom said that they were going to now be identifying the opposite gender and the second one was it was like gender fluid so they switched from one to the other in both incidences we went into the school showing our concerns and when it happened for a second time we were and the you know, and our second child had come home saying, look, I'm really confused. We we thought, what do we do? And when the head teacher said that, that we just have to accept this, if a child wants to change gender, we just have to accept it. And I could, they could lose their job if not. We were thinking, well, what the, really, is that legal? And this is when we went and contacted Christian Concern. Um, and then we, we, we sent a letter into the school. And it was the letter that we received back from the school, which was really shocking, which basically said our six-year-old was transphobic if he did not believe this boy was a real female and did not use the right pronouns. And so so we actually were... said in the letter, in, in black and white, um, yes. your six-year-old child is transphobic if he doesn't think this boy, and it was, this boy was actually sometimes coming as a girl and sometimes as a boy, is that right? That's right. So if he doesn't think that on the days he comes in dressed as a girl, he's actually a girl, then he's transphobic. Yeah, yeah apparently. I don't, I don't think the letter was yes. really actually thought out well, to be honest with you. Um, so I think that's what was... I think there was one part in the letter that said, even if you don't believe, if you don't believe in the transgender ideologies, as the, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, mm. then that is also a form of transphobic behaviour. Just not believing, just disbelieving is transphobic. Not believing it, so yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. Wow, and and um, you know that sounds completely shocking to us. And what was the reaction, you know, from the wider school community to this kind of thing? Well, there's a lot of silence. I think by by the, this time, because it's been so pushed, um, and so yeah, so pushed it. it I think there was no consultation to parents. So I think we there was a lot of shock, but there was a lot of silence as well. I think, um, and I, I know from speaking to parents, some children came home quite upset or distressed and confused like ours, which is kind of, you know, understandable. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there's been a, 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 a variety of responses, but most people don't talk about it because they're too scared to speak out mm. and to question it. But that you, you weren't, you, you two weren't cowed and weren't too scared, and you um, sort of took it further. So tell us what you did then. Yes. Yeah, so um, 
having having received the letter i mean i remember one of the lawyers saying this letter is not legally ethically or morally correct and um and so they said we really need to make a stand on this because there are parents up and down the country who are also facing similar issues the government can push this through the back door as law we need to actually do something but we can only do it if a parents make a stand and actually speak out um nigel definitely was more let's do this i was really like oh my goodness we've just spent four years of building up really good relationships with the school we do assemblies um we love these people uh what's the right thing so but after praying and reading the word and fasting realized actually this was really important for the sake of children across the yeah. across the country that we needed to do something we needed to yeah. speak out and so from those convictions mm. we did yeah and what i mean the one for me one of the major issues was that the school is supposedly supposed to be a church of england school and yeah. uh, for a, a church of england school to start advocating some form of trans ideology uh it was an anathema to me and i thought we can't let this happen because otherwise it will just it will just snowball. The next thing you know, it'll be a, it'll be throughout all the schools throughout the UK, and, and it will be normalised. Uh, it's a very dangerous road to go down. And um, you did complain to the Church of England as well, did you not about this? I did. I phoned them. I did phone them, and uh, I thought their response was shocking. Uh, looking back, the response was, "Well, what you got to remember, Nigel, is that um, they're." They're, it's a, they're Christian schools, but they're not faith schools. And I didn't understand what exactly what he was saying. So, you know, we I say, well, if, if you have a school and it's represented by the Church of England, surely their, their doctrinal uh, foundation is, is meant to be biblical. And of course, a biblical foundation is that God created them male and female. Uh, we have boys, we have girls. Um, marriages between a man and a woman those sort of uh that shouldn't be controversial it's not explicitly a christian idea either is it it's not exact it's not as if only christians believe that we're made male and female <laughs> no it's not nice. uh, we should we, sh we should be you know that that but we should be standing up for that i mean you know, yeah that's just meant to be be the uh, the moral guide if you like for for society for a for the for the culture yeah. uh, but the church instead has uh, just embraced these uh, new uh strange narratives so, and because you didn't get anywhere with the school or indeed with the diocese, um, you ended up deciding to pursue this as a legal case, didn't you, against the, um, it's against the Department for Education, I think, is that right, in the end? Yes. 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 Um, so just explain, explain that to us then. Um, so, I mean, I know that we've, uh, the Christian legal team as well, we've been collating lots of expert evidence. Um, yeah. It's taken a while because some people, are scared to put their name to this because um, of fear of losing their job. But we have collated lots of expert evidence from, from psychologists and from the medical side who have been involved in children with gender dysphoria. And uh, it's overwhelming. And this was submitted to the Department of Education, but they have they declined. They said, there's no case. And we were asking, we're saying the guidelines that you're holding up as best practice, which is promoting this into schools, needs to change. It needs to be scrapped yeah. um, or changed at the at the the, mm. the least. And um, and they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything. I mean, like our le the letter to our school said the school does not require any formal medical or psychological assessment and reporting when a pupil seeks to be treated as transgendered or exploring their gender. So this is the kind of thing that schools 
you just move schools of um a say uh, 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 saying now so there's no assessment yet, there's no doctor saying this or anything like that. there's no nobody's you know basically if a child comes in and says but now i'm a girl that's it yeah. now they're a girl was there yeah, right. and yet the evidence says contrary to this um dr McHugh, Professor Psychiatry at John Hopkins University, is retired now, but he did years of, of working in the medical field where um, he realised that after working with children and going through, you know, where they were going through uh, surgery and things like that, it was doing more harm than good. They were still just as depressed or suicidal. Um, and he says policies which affirm a child in their gender confusion without requiring psychological evidence are highly damaging to the children involved. And he's saying that leading experts in the area of psychiatry and pediatrics argue that abundant scientific evidence exists showing that transgender affirming policies do none of the children. They're meant to serve any real or lasting good, that it harms the majority, um, the vast majority of them, and that it leads to catastrophic outcomes for many such afflicted children. So, yeah. you know, and we feel like the government didn't really take this on board didn't the evidence. they didn't even acknowledge it really yeah they kind of said no so now it's gone you know we submitted the papers to high court um after the department of education didn't take action yeah. um, it was rejected to begin with um but we had last week a review of that um our barrister spoke in front of a different judge and the judge realized yes this evidence hasn't really been taken proper consideration mm. um so that is really is it, it there's two reasons that this is going ahead is that one is what is education what are we you know what deems education and what and to look at this evidence yeah yeah um so this is a fantastic step forward for you isn't it because basically being give, given permission to judicial review the the um the position of the um um Department of Education, isn't it? I keep getting confused yeah, for which yes. one it is. Um, and um, and I noticed, by the way, we're posting up on Facebook and YouTube now um, links where you can read those expert reports from world class experts um, in this whole subject of child psychology. Um, they're they're lengthy reads, they're detailed reads, but they're well worth reading. And if you're commenting along on Facebook or YouTube, we can see it. If you've got any questions um, for Nigel and Sally, um, do put them up there i can see frederick revel has said it's a bit like the little boy who saw the truth of the king's new clothes well it is a bit like that isn't it um and um various other people commenting sympathetically with um your experience there Nigel and sally libby so let's let's hear what your perspective is on this you, you know you you um well you know tell us a bit of your story as, as relevant and and how you see this perspectively from your perspective um yeah so i um, I sort of lived the transgender life for a few years of my life and it's actually it's quite interesting that this is a perspective I don't often get the opportunity to give but I discovered transgenderism when I was about 12 years old um, and at the time that was we're talking like 2009 it wasn't in the media like it is now it certainly wasn't on social media it wasn't in schools as much as it is now um, but it still sort of had quite a pull on me. And I remember I sort of had therapy with the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service in my local area. And they sort of took what was called the wait and see approach, which essentially was, we can't tell this person that they're not transgender, but if they're really transgender, then they'll stay transgender. 
and that kind of like plants a seed in your head that you need to prove how much distress you're in because otherwise you'll be seen as not having enough of an issue i spent yeah. about five years in total kind of really deliberating over transition and whether i should transition whether i could transition um until i was about 17 and i kind of gave in but i know that if i'd been given that opportunity at the age of 12 to you know take puberty blockers um to do the transition route if that was accepted in my school and there was provision just given for that if there were other kids in my school that were going down that route i would have done it at the drop of a hat it's sort of really strange because i was so sure of it and i was actually one of those sort of minority of kids that doesn't grow out of it by the time that they're 18 and they've gone through puberty um i would have I would have taken the puberty blockers. I would be probably infertile right now. Um, I wouldn't be sort of looking at the future that I've got now with the idea of kind of starting a family one day and things like that. So it's it's quite horrifying actually to sort of see that there's sort of the idea of a six-year-old being allowed to live in that way and sort of pursue those things without really understanding the perspective of what could change in the future. So Libby, you're saying that you're pleased that when you were in, it would have been secondary school for you, um, there weren't, you know, other children cross-dressing and, and identifying as transgender because that would have encouraged you to do the same. And there wasn't this kind of allowance and acceptance of it in the way that there is now, or there was, you know, 10 years or so later um, than this. And that therefore you would say, from your perspective, sh schools shouldn't allow, is this right? children to yeah. dress, change gender, re-identify and that kind of thing. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely not. It, it just provides this twisted view of, um, of how things work. And I think the most toxic thing that I was taught was that, oh, well, if you're really transgender, then this will be distressing you so much. It's sort of this atmosphere that doesn't allow a person to grow or change. So, you know, would you do that with somebody who was, um, who was depressed? Would you only give them therapy for depression if they stayed depressed for their whole life would you encourage them and tell them that their depression is completely immutable and they're not ever going to be able to escape it mm. yeah and it's a bit like or another another sort of parallel would be anorexia i assume wouldn't it um would you affirm someone's anorexic identity of how overweight they might feel themselves or whatever no you wouldn't it's not helpful for them and so in the same kind of way you don't affirm somebody's transgender identity either because that's also not good for them um, I think it's encouraging also i think it's encouraging though to have someone like you know libby Wood here because um she's a testimony of uh you know what has happened and, and it, you know she she's clearly someone who's able to go to school and say well this is exactly what happened to me yeah. and explain the danger of this is you know we i haven't gone through this sort of thing and sally hasn't um and someone like her can say well you know it uh, the kids need to uh, the, the kids need to hear this at school because they don't hear that kind of perspective anymore it's just this drip fed narrative constantly within the media specifically the bbc and uh and, and teachers and many staff and parents um you know they really believe it but they don't yeah. hear the other side of the story and that's what we that's what that's what the children or actually everyone in the school needs to hear the other side of the story when when things go awry yeah yeah 
And and um, I think so. I mean, I, I ended up being interviewed on this a few years ago, didn't I? I remember Nigel Sally. I ended up saying, look, this is contrary to a the law because you can't change your gender legally until you're 18 anyway. Um, it's contrary to B, um, theology, which has given us church in school, you know, about being made of male and, male and female. And it's contrary to C, the science, um, which says that you can't actually change your gender. Every single cell of your body is gendered, um, has gendered chromosomes in it. Yeah. Um, and so you just you just can't go ahead and change it. So it is so I mean, you know, summing that up, it's contrary to common sense, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, oh absolutely. I mean and, and then we can go back to the science part. It's just it's totally it's, it's it's even irrational to teach yeah. little boys and girls that they be, they can become the opposite sex. Um at, at, at six because they don't even have a concept or understanding of what that is obviously children know there is a gender they see a boy and they see a girl um and the science is just overwhelming you know as you just mentioned it, you have xxxy you have the human genome has you know uh, uh, male and female in fact we see it throughout uh, nature as well in everything uh, and then to to make out to a child that they can change gender is just a lie because you can never change the genome you can never change that and so yeah, to summarise what the expert witness reports are saying, I, I, I think there's probably two key facts, but you you add to them. One is that 80 to 90% of kids grow out of this when they get through puberty yeah. and they, you know, nature sort of hits them and they grow out of it. Now, Libby is one of the exceptions here, but, you know, 80 to 90% grow out of it. And the, and, and the other is that teaching and exposing this to kids generally is harmful for them. And it harms yeah. all the rest of the kids anyway. Yeah, yeah it does. Tim, I think um oh sorry. Yeah, I think actually that statistic, the eighty to ninety percent, as far as I've read, it actually increases if you give the child affirmative therapy for their actual sex. And that's something that I know I wasn't offered. Um, and I think that was even in two thousand and nine that was seen as taboo to sort of So just clarify what you mean, because people will get confused, Libby, about what you mean by affirmative, right? Yeah, yeah. So because language doesn't mean anything anymore um no it's um so if i were given therapy to affirm myself as a woman to teach me that you know to empower me really that i am able to be a woman regardless of how i feel or what my interests are or who i can relate to in school yeah then there's actually a much higher rate but that that's taboo you're not allowed even increasingly now with recent legislation you know, you're not allowed to tell children, oh, actually, no, you are a, you are a little girl, regardless of what you feel like you are. Yes. And so that was even the situation for you, you know, 10 years ago plus or so. Mm -hmm. um, and here we are with the government proposing to uh, criminalise conversion therapy, so-called, um, mm -hmm. which in their definition, no under 18 can consent to talking therapy that may persuade them not to be transgender, um, which is exactly what you're saying is actually what would help these children, isn't it, Libby? Yeah. Yeah, it would solidify them in reality. I mean, kids need stability. That's a sort of unanimous fact. So why do we take it away from them in their gender? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're spot on. It's it's a fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. So why why do you think Nigel and Sally that the school and the government, the Church of England, the sort of going down this route that's so contrary to science, theology, um, you know, basic common sense and uh, and the law as well. You know, why, why are they going down this route? 
Ah, it's staggering, isn't it? The, the, the reason I believe is because the narrative is so strong. Um, it's got to the point where everybody is too scared to stand against it. And I think within the church doctrine, they have forgotten that actually a committed Christian needs to stand on truth. And when you do stand on truth, people are offended. People get upset. You tell people what they're doing is wrong, you know, from a biblical perspective. They get very angry and it's uncomfortable. People want an easy life. We all want an easy life, really. But the truth is, if you are, want to stand on biblical values, stand on God's word, it's not going to be popular, especially in the secular world. And so what ha has happened is the church has basically capitulated to these new trains of thought that are now coming into the culture. And that's the whole LGBT issues. There's other things, you know, there's cultural Marxism, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing, racism, environmentalism, all those things. And the voice is so loud in the media and it's constantly being peddled every day. It's kind of not, it's as though people are psychologically being brainwashed to the point that even the churches sucked it in, have been brainwashed. And now they, they just don't even, they don't really look at their Bibles and say, hang on a minute, the Bible's very clear of how we should be or what is the truth. And it's to the point where they go as far as accusing a six-year-old of transphobia for not confirming uh, their friend's acquired gender, isn't it? I mean, Libby, what's your perspective on why why schools and people are going down this route? Oh, there probably are a million different reasons. I know when I was going through all of this when I was in high school, I think the US seemed to be a little bit further ahead in this. They already had sort yeah. of little boys dressing as little girls and going to school. Um, I think it sort of perpetuates itself because we've kind of, We've gone from the sexual revolution, we've gone from feminism, and then we've managed to get sort of a hyper-feminism that tells women that they're of no value unless they act like men, and men are of no value unless they act like women. Yeah. So a man being sensitive is the most virtuous thing he can be, and a woman being corporate is the most virtuous thing that she can do. So women having children has been devalued. You know, we see that in abortion laws and things like that. Men yeah. having children and actually being responsible for them is devalued because women yeah. should just get the abortion. Um, all these kind of things really do play together and they create that intricate web that means that a woman who wants to be sensitive is either going to be a conformist or she's going to be a man. And a man yeah. who wants to be a protector or wants to be strong is either going to be a misogynist and part yeah. of the patriarchy or he can go and try and be a lesbian woman yeah yeah and it's also this thing that um it's kind of like we've made ourselves gods haven't we because you know, we can define who we are and so i define what my gender is and i define what my identity is and all this kind of stuff and yeah it doesn't matter if it's contrary to science or whatever it is I, i'm i'm the one who makes up who i am and it's kind of making ourselves into God, isn't it? Rather than yeah. actually um, submitting to the fact that we're created and and we can't just define exactly um, who we are, even though we do have um, free will. So Nigel and Sally, listen, you've just been given uh, last week permission uh, to take this to court. What was the, how's the reaction been uh, to that news? It's quite, it's quite a big story that um, the government is going to have to be challenged about this and they're going to have to hear and listen to the evidence about it. 
yeah. positive. We've been very, very pleasantly mm. uh, surprised about how many people are really supporting this. And I think the tide is turning. I mean, we did know that a lot of people agreed with us when we first made the stand, but weren't speaking out. I think more and more people are now speaking out and are quite happy to vocalise that now if it's just writing comments mm. on social media. But mm. but um, so we've been really encouraged. Mm. Um, that, I think the devil has overplayed his hand in the school system. Yeah. And I, I think the public are beginning to see it. You know, uh, um, here on the island, I know that, uh, you know, there's a school in Cowes, you know, you go in there and it's sort of the LGBT flag is up there and staff are wearing the LGBT um, yeah. uh, lanyards and, and things like that. And it's just, it's kind of just overwhelming. Um, and I remember a friend of mine, a fellow counselling friend of mine, he, he, you know, he went to check out the school and he came back and said to me, he said, no, it's just, is that's all we see. It, it, it's, it's, it's clearly a part of an ideology just being pushed and they see it. And, and I think people are frustrated with it because ultimately when people send their children to school, they want them just to learn math, science, English, all those things. They don't want them to be indoctrinated with these other, other, other ideologies. And we get these, we get this sort of stuff now in everything, even in sport, you know, in sport, it becomes political. You can't just think about sport. There's a, there's a political narrative that goes with it. It's in everything. And I think people are sick and tired of it. Um, yeah. And um, there's been quite a lot of media interest, hasn't there as well, in your case? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. You've had a number of interviews, a number of newspaper and other media reports. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, all of them have been very, I, the impression I get is they're on our side. LBC, uh, well, they're very lefty, aren't they? Um, and where the title I saw up there was uh, uh, trans, trans, transphobia. I, I, how, how they did it, it was something about transphobia. And I just thought, oh, there we go. You know, you, you what you do is you, de you try to demonize people like us and, and put on their, you know, their, their transphobic or homophobic and and it, that's, but quite a lot of headlines are talking about this aspect that we're talking about today, which is can a six-year-old really be accused yeah. of being transphobic when their friend exactly. changes gender? I mean, yeah, that and that when you put it like that, most yeah. people, yeah, yeah, in spite of whatever indoctrination or, or media indoctrination they may have had, will will say, "Oh, come on, hang on a minute," you know, surely that's not right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that I think there has been a sense of. Surely this is not right. Um, that's come out of this news this week, and it's interesting that you think there's been more support than presumably when you first came out about this about four years ago. And oh, for yes, sure, definitely. yeah, there yeah. has been a change. This, mm. And also, I think it's because a lot of people have had, actually having first-hand experience of this now with their children in school. It's just right. as we know, it's gone up three thousand yeah. percent. Uh, in terms of referrals to the gender clinic, but we're hit. Ten years, isn't it? That's in ten years' time. Teenage girls are. There's a lot. There's a massive yeah. number of people that we know who are that they're so confused. They're like, "Oh, am, am I bisexual? Am I trans?" That you know, it, it's just they're I'm really sexual. they're actually there's a massive uh, confusion mm. and a depression rate. People don't know what their true identity is, and and this is because it's been peddled for so long. And so I think people are getting sick and tired of it and really concerned mm. for well, their like a, children. It's contagion. It's, it's like yeah. a fad. You know, I remember when we were you know when we were at school, you, you'll get the fad. I remember at school we had the yo-yo fad, and so I thought yeah. so the latest fad is you know, um, I mean I you know I'm a gas engine. I go to people's homes. I remember talking to one of my customers saying, you know, they had a real issue at the school where because they're their daughter said she was felt she was being bullied at school because the other girls said that they were uh, pansexual, whatever that sort of means. And she said, well, actually, no, I like boys. And I think she was the age of 12. Thinking, what, right. why, are we, 
why, why are these yeah. sort of conversations being you know happening in a school environment so it, mm. it, it's, it's like a contagion and, it, and it's a fad well and i want to bring libby back in on this as well um because libby you know you said that had other people been going down the street you would have probably joined them as well but what's your perspective Libby? do you think that the tide has turned a bit on this whole transgender thing at the moment yeah i think it's been it's been gradual but definitely nowadays um it's become a sort of a virtue it's become i know that even when i was kind of in that sort of ideology as a teenager i remember kind of thinking seeing all these kind of sexualities presented in front of me um seeing uh, pansexuality as the altruistic sexuality because you're not judging people seeing you know all of these different labels that i sort of had to attach to myself and i think the more that that kind of seeps into what kids are doing the more that they kind of feel that they have to that they feel sort of forced into being transgender or having some kind of alternative sexuality because like i said they're either misogynistic or they're conformist or they're um they're brainwashed by the church ironically um and kids always every single generation of kids and teenagers wants to carve out their own uh, carve out their own identity wants to become an individual and wants to showcase who they are and the medium by which that's kind of happening right now which is encouraged by the relationships and sex education where they're shown the gender unicorn with its different you know gender and sexuality and romantic and sexual attraction you know they're seeing that as the way that they are meant to carve out their identity in a way that they can sort of be individuals but also play within the safe rules that are outlined by adults and so that's something that's absolutely terrifying at least when i was younger we didn't have such overt kind of in school the relationships education wasn't like that yeah yeah and um so and of, of course stonewall has also been part of this sort of um trend doesn't it they, they went and pushed transgenderism so hard that um having sort of got almost a stranglehold on you know huge numbers of corporations and organizations yeah. a lot of them have backed down including government organizations as well out of their champion scheme um because of their push on transgenders so, so it does feel like the whole transgender agenda is starting to lose its way and um and certainly we hope nigel and sally that your case actually you know um ends up going a change in public policy I and mean, it should be that you know girls are girls and boys are boys and leave them yeah. like that and they should come to uniform and, and comply with school uniform on that and not just come and change on the whim of whatever day they feel like I mean that's obviously not how it should work um, we're getting some encouraging comments in here on um Donald Bryce on YouTube says I saw Libby's testimony on tough talk and uh Lord's using her and uh strength to Nigel and Sally Rowe and Libby well done and um various others as well commenting on on um, a great fight that you're doing great work good fight approaches similar to any totalitarian takeover same in germany in the 1930s or communist countries we're called to be bonhoeffer a great thing well it, it is a, in a sense totalitarian as well isn't it mm -hmm. um, so um libby what would be your advice to parents or teachers today who may be facing this issue in the classroom what would you say to them uh yeah that's incredibly difficult i mean personally i'm planning on homeschooling my children because it's just so much going out there 
but I think there really is a big so you've fight. You've decided that, just as we clear it, it's interesting to know, Libby, because you, yeah. you haven't got children yet, right? Yeah, I mean, you're just, um, yeah. you're you're getting married later this year, I understand, which is fantastic yeah. news. Um, and, but you've decided with your husband, have you, that, that you're going to have to homeschool because of this? Yeah, yeah, my fiancé and I have actually discussed a lot about, we we wouldn't want to put our children in the danger of, the trajectory that schools are going in with this kind of stuff, especially with myself having struggled with this. Right. Um, you know, we do know that there are some biological components that can be encouraged by the environment when it comes to. So, you know, if I have interests in playing video games or I'm more logically minded, then what's the chances that my daughter might be? And therefore, mm. what's the chance that she might end up being pushed into that trajectory? I would. Yeah, but I do see that there is a huge, you know, it's it's imperative that schools actually try and get a hold of this where it's at. And it's, I think I would be terrified of being a teacher in this kind of climate because I'd never be able to go against my biblical convictions and I would probably lose my job, to be fair. Um, mm. But I think it is, it's important to kind of, you might be that one teacher or that one adult in a child's life who affirms the gender that they really are. You know, you don't have to overtly sort of be mean about it or anything, but even if you're just sort of open there for that child to say, oh, I'm not really sure that, you know, this transgender thing that we've been taught in school, does this mean I'm a boy or a girl? Being that one teacher or that one parent that's sort of so Sarah says, actually, maybe you, maybe you just need to be you and your body doesn't need to be changed and your mm. pronouns don't need to be changed. I mean, just even um, with the lanyards, the, these LGBT lanyards, just one small protest of go in and wear a bright purple lanyard instead of the LGBT one or, you know, something very, very covert, something in the school colours and Mm. You know, it shouldn't really of, require courage to say. Christian, we could go into schools with the Christian flag, couldn't we? A Christian language. It's kind of an extraordinary situation, isn't it? It shouldn't really require courage to say boys are boys and girls are girls. Yeah, and that's be. the way it is, you know. And yet somehow we've got to the position in society where it, it requires courage to say what is obvious. Mm. That, you know, boys should be boys and girls should be girls and, and they should be kept distinct. And, and the, the, you can't just change from one to the other overnight and change yeah. back again the next day either, which is what was happening in yeah. your son's school, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ironically, you know, I mean, I, I, a lot of my upbringing was in, in Africa and in, to them it's just anathema. Uh, if you, you know, I remember when I went back to Kenya a couple of years ago and I remember the taxi driver was taking us to the house and I was telling him what was going on. And he just, he couldn't get his, he just couldn't get his head around it that in the, in the West that we were teaching boys could become girls and girls could, be, could become mm -hmm. boys. And I think it's also the same in the Eastern Bloc countries. You know, when we were interviewed by RT, you know, Russia Today, you can see that when we were in Hungary, um, I remember the, the translator, she, she had to confirm with me at the end of, at the end of the, when she was translating for us as we were speaking. She, she was, she said, and she asked the question, so you, are you actually saying in the West that they're saying boys can become girls and girls can become boys? And I said, yes. And they were just, this, so their reaction was, they were shocked. And they said, this is madness. And it really is madness. But the West, in its arrogance, thinks that it's progressed. But actually, we're regressing.
<laughs> it's the wrong side of history <laughs> rather than the right side of history and and you've you've ended up being forced to homeschool your children haven't you how's that how's that been for you Nigel and Sally it's actually been very positive wonderful um and we're part of a good community home ed, home ed community called classical conversation so the boys are very happy um god has turned it all for good as he does um so yeah it has been a very positive experience mm. and our boys aren't indoctrinated with you know sort of the, the lefty uh, stuff that gets, that's peddled pretty much every day and it's uh, it, it's, it's 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 wonderful you know they're just they're just boys being boys uh going out on their mountain bikes and windsurfing and so on and so forth they're just loving life and you know having a good education they're much happier than they were oh much happier. much happier i mean i remember them fighting to go to school they didn't want to go i mean that's when the alarm bells started ringing too you're thinking well what why what is it about sport you you dislike so much that uh, they're miserable and they're coming home and they're not happy thinking well, what's what's going on why is it and of course what i think one of the things and you know is that as christian parents you teach your children at home a biblical ethic to life and so therefore when they go to school all of a sudden they're hearing things that they're not used to hearing mm. and so it, it, it there's a thing when mum and dad are saying mum and dad are saying for example you know marriage is between a man and a woman and i go to school and they're saying that boys can marry boys or girls can marry girls it's, it's, and they come home and say daddy can they and i said no, no no by definition uh you know marriage is between a man and a woman so that they hear this and it's very confusing for children and also, and, I, and it's, I think it's stressful because all the other kids, you know, they do have these start having these conversations. They're saying, yeah. "Oh, you know, I'm not mentioning my son's name, but uh, did you know that a boy can marry a boy?" And he was just what he couldn't couldn't work it out. He couldn't work it out because he sees mummy and daddy at home. And that's for you, Libby. I, I would really encourage you. Homeschooling is great, especially if you can join a Christian uh, organisation like Classical Conversations. It's brilliant. You've given me a lot of hope with that. I'm definitely going to be in touch with you guys when it sort of comes to working out the logistics of that so that's really great oh we'd be glad to support welcome. you yeah welcome. well listen nigel and sally we're so proud of you and uh, thank you for being the bold brave ones who are standing up and there's there's loads of us behind you and uh, lots of people commenting saying they're so glad that what you're doing and you're speaking up for the 99 percent and this kind of thing um out there and i'm so pleased as well that you feel there's more support generally in the culture today than there was four years ago when you first came out with this story um and uh, we will pray that your case succeeds and the government policy changes on this to something more in line with common sense um and uh, and thank you libby for joining us and your wisdom and expertise on this subject really greatly valued in your experience as well um so valuable um and thank you for joining us if you've been watching live or if you're listening again um, lovely to hear you and hear from you and we'll be here again next week thank you very much thank you